We are the church. I, I, I don't plan to be for you too long this morning, but I uh, want to leave you with a, with a few thoughts. Um, we are the church. Uh, this has been the series, and a focus has been on being together. Amen? And so before I get fully into the sermon, uh, in the spirit of being we are the church, I'm going to ask you to help me preach this thing this morning. And so what I mean by that, if you hear something you agree with, you're going to go ahead and shout amen. You can say hallelujah. Um, we're going to preach this thing together. If you're out there in uh, the virtual world, um, you know, you put an amen in the chat, uh, a little thumbs up emoji, a hand praise emoji or something. We're going to preach this thing together. Amen. Amen. And so um, I want to take a moment real quick uh, just to reset this book of Hebrews. Uh, the author is a writer who is addressing a distressed and discouraged people who have a Jewish background and ha at some point have decided to follow the ways of Christ. There is a main message about Jesus in this book that, that Jesus is a savior who fully identifies with us by a common humanity and by his raw experience. It is a let, it's a letter of exhortation uh, sent to strengthen faith, inform the will, and renew hope of the impatient, questioning believers who need to continue. The, these themes are captured in totality in our passages today, uh, but if I were to make it plain, I might say it something like this. Uh, uh, the author said, I'm about to get you hyped so you can keep on going. Uh, the video that we just watched is of Derek Redmond. Uh, Redmond was born to West Indian immigrants who had immigrated to Great Britain in the 1960s. Uh, Redmond, uh, from the time he was young, had a goal to compete in the Olympic Games. Redmond first broke the British record for the 400 meters in 1985 with a run of 44.82 seconds. But injuries consistently interrupted Redmond's career. And in the 1988 Olympics in Seoul, he had to pull out of the opening round uh, of the 40, 400 meters 90 seconds just before because of an injury to his Achilles tendon. In this video was the 1992 Summer Olympics in Barcelona, and before that he had undergone eight surgeries just to get ready. The, the, the goal set before Derek Redman uh, was winning this 400 meters. In the first round, he, uh, he posted the fastest time. He went on to win the quarterfinal round, and what we watched here was his semifinal round, and he started well, but in the back straight, about 250 meters from the finish, his hamstrings tore. And we watched as he hobbled to a halt and fell to the ground in pain. Stretcher bearers made their way over to him, but Redmond decided that he wanted to finish the race. He began to hobble along the track. He was soon joined on the track by his father, Jim, who barged past the security on the track to get to his son. Together, father and son completed the lap of the track together with Derek leaning on his father's shoulders for support. And as they crossed the finish line, 65,000 spectators rose to give a standing ovation. This moment has gone down in the annals of history of one that has captured the Olympic spirit. Now, the race that's set before us, church, is uh, the one that we're running has far more implications. What is this race that we're, we're talking about? Uh, it's not an Olympic event, church. It's, it's, it's not even a physical event uh, exclusively, but this race is a race of faith. 
If you have your Bible uh, or your phone or device, I'm going to ask you to turn to chapter 12 in the book of Hebrews. And like I said, I don't want to be before you too long, but I just want to leave us with a few thoughts today. And if it's all right, you can go ahead and say amen. A thumbs up or hand clap emoji. All right. And so it reads like this in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. The first thing I want to bring our attention to this morning, if I could, is uh, this cloud of witnesses. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. What, what is this cloud of witnesses that the author is talking about? Well, he, it's inspired by those who have gone before us. The author here has made reference throughout the chapters preceding chapter 12, and most notably in the rundown of the faithful in Hebrews chapter 11. In chapter 11, it's affectionately known in some circles as the Faith Hall of Fame. You got Noah and Abraham and Moses on and on and on. And for those of us who might not be familiar with these biblical characters, uh, these names are in the Old Testament. And I don't have time today to catch you up on all of them, but I'm going to ask you to take my word on the fact that these characters were folks who had ran the race of faith before us. These biblical characters who, in the midst of all challenges and obstacles to be discouraged and turned back, decided to persist. And so the author makes this reference to these believers in the book of Hebrews. And he does so in this real, like, don't reference as a race that they have run. And, and, and now he crafts this letter in a way to, to create an image that these characters or witnesses are now up in the stands in the crowd, watching the recipients of the letter as they now run this race that they have ran. And, and, and if we could just imagine uh, what, this, what this would look like. I, I know some of us have children in, in, or, or those that you have worked with, and whether it be a race or a recital or some experience, uh, and you're watching that child or a friend go through something that you've been through, it's empowering to know that on the other side of what they can't see and that what you know is possible, by being there, uh, you, you, you are an encouragement to them and knowing that you have made it. So the author is asking them to recognize this cloud of witnesses. In Extension Church, he is making the same request to us. Recognize that there is a cloud of witnesses watching this is part of the reason why you've got to read your Bible than more than just on Sunday. 
I ain't trying to hurt nobody's feelings, but we got to get to know these characters. We got to get to know those who have gone before us. Get familiar with the crowd of witnesses. The next point that I, I would love to put before us is to lay aside every weight and the sin. It is important to make the delineation between the two things identified here. They're two things differently entirely. This weight is an inordinate care for the present life or, or fondness for it. it. It is dead weight upon the soul that, that pulls us down when it should be ascending upwards and pulls it back when it should press forward. It makes duty and difficulties harder and heavier than they should be. When the author uh, identified the, the, the word weight, he uses the Greek word ankon, which is uh, bulk or weight. And the definition is that of an encumbrance. An encumbrance is anything that impedes or hampers the function or activity of anything. So when staying with this metaphor of running a race, there are some things that we've got to put aside if we're going to run this race. If I'm going to run a race, I'm going to make sure that I, I, I put my phone out of my pocket, get my keys down. I'm going to make sure that I, uh, anything that's weighting me down, I got to put to the side. If I'm trying to do my best in this race, I'm not going to be out there running with a snowsuit on. So here, family, there are some weights that impede our ability to run this race of faith. And again, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but I, I do have to speak the truth here. For some of us, this may be some of our friends. For some of us, it might be, uh, 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 it might be some of our homeboys and homegirls that we've rocked with for a long time, that we uh, find are weighting us down in our race of faith. They may be uh, counteracting the things that help us grow to be more like Christ. But now they've become an encumbrance to our faith. For some of us, it might be the television shows that we choose to watch. It might be the social media groups that we are a part of. Uh, what are these weights that are weighing us down from running this race of faith? The author says, lay aside any encumbrance. And then the author goes on to say, and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Sin is the word haramitano. It, it, it is an archery term which means to miss the mark. There has been a lot of debate in scholarly circles about what this sin is that the author is talking about. But in my research, I've come to believe that this sin is not pride, this is not fornication, it's not murder, it's not lying. But I've come to, to believe that this sin he's talking about here is the sin of unbelief. As Pastor Tom made clear at the beginning of this series, the readers of the letter are about to lose their belief in Jesus Christ. Now, let me just make a, a note here. I don't want you going out of here saying that Brother Ron said that those other things are not sins. That's, that's not what I said. Uh, but what I'm saying is that I'm convinced that the sin that so easily ensnares us is that of unbelief. The things that cause us to miss the mark of Christ is this sin of unbelief. Come on now, let's just keep it real if we could. 
Any of us that have started out toward a goal of anything, uh, we start out with great fervor and energy, but somewhere along the way, it can get difficult to believe that we're going to get there. And that belief can start to fade. And this, I believe, is the sin. As a matter of fact, I think all the other sins become possible when that unbelief starts to take hold. The next point I'd like to put before us is let us run with endurance. This idea of run is a metaphor taken from runners in a race to exert oneself, to strive hard, to spend one's strength in performing or attaining something, and we should do this. The interesting thing is to suggest that you're going to meet some hard times along this race. You might not believe me looking at me now, Jim, but when I was in high school, I was a sprinter. I ran 100 in the 200 meters. But it wasn't until later in life that I picked up long-distance running. When you run longer distances, there is a reality along the way that some things are going to happen. The lactic acid is going to build up in your legs and your your body is going to uh, uh, get fatigued and the challenge to quit is going to be there. But you have to endure and run with endurance toward the goal. These longer distances for me took uh, most hold in 2015 when I ran a half marathon. We have any marathoners out there? Your thumbs up in the, in the chat. But I ran a, a half marathon. And during the training, we started with two miles, then to three miles, four miles, five miles, seven miles, on up to 13.1. And I had to build up my endurance. And even though there were some moments that I wanted to, to quit, I was fortunate that I trained with a group. I wish I had a few people that understood where I was going with this because I trained with a group. And as I trained with this group, we would encourage each other with words. And sometimes it was the mere fact that we were in this together. It was the mere fact that sometimes I could look to my right and see that my, 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 my colleague was continuing to per, per, persevere. And I could look to my left and see my sister continuing to endure. So let us, church, run this race of faith together with endurance that knowing that sometimes it's going to be hard, but we are in this together. In God's infinite wisdom, it is why he designed the church in the way he did. He designed it in this way because he knew that we would need each other and we are the church. And sometimes it's going to be hard. We're going to need each other. And I'm here just to share a few things that I've come to know. I've come to know that there is sweet after bitter. There is hope after fears. There is home after wondering and praise after tears. There are seeds after sowing and sun after rain. There is sight after blindness and peace after pain. There's light after darkness, and there is gain after loss. There is strength after weakness, and there is a crown after the cross. And so if we could just stay in for just a little while longer, we will get there. We're about to bring this thing to a close, but I cannot leave you, 
family without this thought. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. In my track career, I, I also tried the hurdles unsuccessfully. And what I had to learn from my coaches, when you run hurdles, you don't look at the hurdle or you're bound to hit it. You've got to look past the hurdle in order to get over it. And so here, Jesus, as the author and finisher of our faith, has set his eyes on what? If we are setting our eyes on Jesus, would Jesus have his eyes set on? Jesus' eyes were, were on the vision to please his Father and accomplishing reconciliation of right relationship with humanity. He wrote and lived this story. He, he knows how it's going to go, beginning, middle, and end. But because Jesus, as the author said, had a joy set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. Jesus is the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Whenever I start relying on my faith alone and my judgment, it's in short supply. It, it can't get me too far. But if I just take some time to meditate on the author of my faith, if I just take a moment to sit and think about what my Jesus did, then it can help me to endure. What is, what is our duty in respect to this? Uh, we must look unto him. That is, we must set Jesus continually before us as our example. And our great encouragement must be to look to him for direction, for assistance, and for acceptance in all of our suffering. We must consider him, meditate upon him, Reason with ourselves, his case is, is, is close to our own. We must analogize, as the word suggests, and compare Christ's sufferings in ours. And we shall find that as his sufferings far exceeded ours, and the nature and measure of what he went through, so his patience far exceeds ours. And it is, it is, that is the perfect pattern for us to imitate. He says, he says, he says some old wild stuff at this point, the author does. He says, and then he says, he says, you have not resisted unto blood. Hmm. This Jesus, my Jesus, he stayed in the race until blood. We're going to practice communion here in a little bit. But remembering the night before Jesus was captured, the Bible says in Luke chapter 22 that Jesus went and took the disciples into the garden to pray. It also said that he asked three of them to come a little further with him than the others. And now Jesus, who is fully God and fully human, it's in a moment where some of his humanity starts to uh, kick in as he cries out to the Father. It says that his sweat became like blood as he recognized and wrestled with the reality of the torturous ordeal that he was about to go through. 
He prayed three times if there was another way to go about this, then, then Father, I'm with that. But if not, then your will be done. The level of intensity and stress on his body resulted in this condition of blood coming through his pores. But as he chose to keep his eyes and as he chose to stay with the Father, our King, our Redeemer said, but if if there is no other way, then your will be done, Father. The author is saying to the readers of this letter then and now, Family, you have not yet resisted unto bloodshed. Some things have been challenging. Yes, I know that. Some people have lied about you. Some, some people have spoken ill of you. you, you you've you been misunderstood. This season of COVID and everything we're going through has been really, really hard. I get that. It's difficult. But he said you have not yet resisted unto bloodshed. The author is writing to the readers of the passage to say that, yes, the struggle has been acute and demanding, but none of them have been put to death yet for their faith. The writer is suggesting that, there is, uh, that this pain can be made purposeful for living a life of discipline. It's not really discipline until it becomes challenging and only a stalwart faith can help you endure with loyalty. And I know it's hard. And I I know you feel like giving up. And I want to let you know that Jesus felt that way too. And so it's okay to feel that. It's all right to pray a prayer like Jesus. But I'm wondering if there are just a few people that are willing to say that I've come too far to turn back now. I've been in this race too long to give up. The author is saying to the readers that you've been through too much to give up. And if you could just stay with Jesus, if you could just do what the founder and the finisher of our faith has done as our example. If we're committed to this goal When things get hard, we will get there. I'll ask you just to remember the crowd of witnesses that went before you. Lay off every weight in the sin that so easily ensnares us. Run with endurance, church, with your eyes fixed on Jesus. Because when I get a little tired and my humanity begins to come through, I'm going to look to my right and I'm going to see my sister Anna taking off every weight. And and when I'm tired, I look to my left, I I see my sister Angela maintaining her belief. And, and, And then I might look to the right again and see Sister Maria who's running with endurance. And then when I'm there and I can't move any longer, they're coming to pick me up, maybe my sister Ming, who still has her eyes fixed on Jesus. And just like Brother Redmond, we have a goal and it will be difficult. We may even need someone to come alongside when we feel like giving up, just like Jim's father did. But family, I just stopped by here today to share with you, we're going to get there. 
We are the church and we're going to get there. This Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. There is a joy set before us that pulls us through the tension, that pulls us through the pain. There is a joy before us if we just keep our eyes on Jesus. If we just keep our eyes on Jesus, there's a joy that will get us there. And we're going to get there together because we are the church. We are are the church. Mm. Let us pray. Father, you are amazing. You have given us the example through uh, your son Jesus on, on what it looks like to run with endurance. You have given us your example of your son to lay aside every weight, to, uh, uh, to continue to keep our eyes fixed on him. Father, I pray that uh, as the body of believers that you allow us through the power of your Holy Spirit to continue to keep our eyes fixed on you when everything around us seems like we want to give up, when, 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 when that challenge is on us. Maybe run with endurance. I, I, I pray that you stir inside of someone today to reach out to their brother or sister and just encourage them uh, to continue along in this race of faith. Father, we are so grateful for the grace that you have given us and the mercy through your son, Jesus. Lord God, I pray that you cover each and every one of us until we're able to be back together again but through the connection and power of your Holy Spirit. May we recognize that we are in this together. And let us run this race of faith with our eyes fixed on Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.